So today's reading is taken from Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Sophie, thank you very much for reading. I'd love you to have that open, page 1112, uh, as we conclude our series this term, Living on Purpose in the Church, in the family, in the world, and in the midst and context of a war zone. Um, just before I, I get into the passage, before I pray, it's great to see Harry Waldemar Brown here. Uh, family members, you'll know Harry. Yeah, let's welcome him. Um, Catherine and the, the girls and the boy, uh, still over, is that right? It's just, just daddy today, but uh, it's great to see you, Harry. Let's pray as we look to feed on God's word. Father, thank you that you promised to give us bread and not a stone. You give us your word to feed us, to nourish us, to strengthen us, to equip us to live the life that Curly was praying about, life in all its fullness. We recognize the battle. We pray this morning, Father, that you wake us up to the realities of battle in the spirit realm and that you equip us. You assure us, you anoint us to stand for you. So feed us this morning. Teach us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, as uh, many of you will know, we, Joe and I, family, live just next door in the vicarage. Uh, we are privileged to live in uh, such a, an expanse of Victoriana. Um, uh, and there are many, many good things. So please, I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. It's wonderful. But 
just with, it is a huge, so it is big rooms, lots of windows, lots of doors. It's almost impossible to keep out the drafts and, and, and the cold. And, and this time of year, uh, just when the cold um, really begins to grip, one of, the, one of the most painful things that can happen whilst living in the vicarage is to take a shower. And, and it's compounded by the fact that uh, one of the luxuries that we have, of many, many luxuries working for the Church of England, we have a, a power shower. So it's one of those things you turn, you can sort of adjust the dial, and, but you, you sort of have the temperature on, on hot, and you can adjust this dial, and this thing just pelts hot water at you. And it's wonderful if you've been out for a bike ride or a run or whatever, or you've just been out, you know, just to be completely sort of but it, you know, washed and cleansed. But when it's, when it's cold, when it's chilly, just to stand luxuriating under this, this power of warmth, the trouble is... That little shower cubicle that I stand in, that's lovely and warm. But as soon as I turn off the water, you just, you, can, you just know. Because actually, you get a clue. When you're standing in the shower, you can see this steam kind of coming off you. And the steam kind of goes, yeah, yeah, look at us, look at us. And then you can see the steam confronting the cold air around it. And it goes, Aah! And you can sort of see all this steam sort of colding back in. So can I hide with you? And there's that awful, it is basically the vicarage dash. Because unfortunately, the shower is at one end of the, of the corridor, and our bedroom, Joe and I, bedroom where all the sort of nice warm clothing is, is the other end of the corridor. And, and so I, I just have to steal myself, sort of quick rub down, but there's not much space in the queue, quick rub down, and then I have to dash, clad only in a towel, not girded in the Lord's armor, just to, I have to dash, braving the cold that's threatening to rob me of all the warmth that I've just been enjoying before I can get clothes on again. Tempted to spend just a little bit too long in the shower sometimes because I can't bear the thought of having to confront the cold. And in a rather shallow sense, nevertheless, it's a sort of physical picture, a physical image, maybe to an extent you can relate to it, or perhaps you live in nice warm houses, I don't know. You can relate to something of the reality in the spirit realm that's felt through the physical realm and physical experience of what's going on for Christians then in Ephesus and for Christians here today, for you and for me. We've been thinking about how to live intentionally, live our lives on purpose. And we've rooted ourselves in the second half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, but actually always been alluding back to the first half because there Paul tells us who we actually are. He sets up our Christian identity out of which we then live in very practical ways, in the church family, in our own families, in our communities, in our places of work, in the world in which we live today. And and there's something of what Bible scholars call an inclusio, a kind of bookend, if you like, a beginning and an end in this letter. Just turn back a few, few pages to the start of the letter, page 1108. After those few words of uh, introduction, verses 1 and 2, verse 3 of chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
God has showered the warmth, if you like, the, the, the real, tangible, expressed warmth of God's blessing. He showered it on us in Christ. When we stand under Christ, as it were, then we receive, the full, we receive every blessing in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms is just a, a phrase for that which is real but not immediately discerned in, in, with our physical eyes. Where I, can, I can sort of see and touch things here immediately with my eyes. Uh, I can't see things um, with my eyes that nevertheless exist. I, I can't see the ultraviolet rays of the sun, but they exist. That's what gives us light. And if I go and stand out on a sunny day, I will experience the impact of ultraviolet rays on my skin if I don't take protection, if I don't put sunscreen on. I, I can't actually see them, but I can testify to their existence. If I turn on a radio, I immediately become aware of radio waves. I can't see them, but they are real and present. And Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the spiritual realm with every blessing in Christ. That's standing under the shower. But the cold bit is the other bookend, the other end of the letter. And here we are in chapter six, uh, chapter 6 and verse 12. Well, let's go from verse 10. Finally, he says, and finally doesn't mean there. It doesn't mean, oh, uh, now all the things I meant to say, what's the, one more thing. What was it? Oh, yeah, I remember. Finally means from now on. I've been giving you all this instruction out of who you are. This is how you're to live. And from now on, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In that, if you like, unseen but real realm, just as there is blessing in Christ as we stand under Christ, so too there is struggle, there is battle, there is engagement, because there are powers and rulers and authorities that take power, which itself is neutral, but subvert it to become evil and to impact our physical realm through evil and malevolent ways and powers. So just as there is blessing, and, and in, in one sense, the more we become aware of the blessing, the more I luxuriate in the hot shower, the more I become aware by contrast of the struggle, of the, of the coldness, if you like, of the evil forces at work. We're in a battle. Paul doesn't say that sometimes there's a battle, or maybe there's a battle, or some commentators say. He just assumes it. We could do uh, some interesting background research, maybe for the house groups when we meet, or a little bit of homework for you if you, you like. Uh, Acts chapter 19, where we hear of uh, the birth of the Ephesian church as Paul spends some time in Ephesus. And he tells some story. He basically, he, 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 there was extraordinary power for the presentation of the gospel, Acts 19. And uh, people were healed. Even he, as Paul held out a handkerchief. And as people had touched the handkerchief, sounds like a sort of 21st century American evangelist, doesn't tell you evangelist, but there it is in scripture. As he held out a handkerchief, people touched the handkerchief and were healed. 
So much so that other people were taking, looking to sort of you know, try this out because there was, a, there was a whole sort of rich spiritual atmosphere in Ephesus. Uh, and other people took offense to what was going on. And so uh, these seven brothers got beaten up by this guy manifesting uh, uh, evil uh, spirits. And, and actually quite a few of the people flip. And if you get involved in this Christian stuff, it's dangerous. These guys have got physically beaten up. Interesting, I think that's possibly why Paul says here, in a night of the, the background in Ephesus, our struggle is not primarily, you might said, against flesh and blood. It's, it's not these guys who beat you up. It's what's behind them, influencing them. So it's not them. Don't demonize them necessarily per se, but be aware of what it is going on behind them that has caused such opposition. I'm very conscious that today, in parts of the world, there is physical test, physical trial, physical abuse. I was uh, just listening to a synopsis of Canon Andrew White, uh, known as the Vicar of Baghdad, who's over in this country um, in this last week and addressing an, a, a debate in the House of Lords on persecution in the Christian church today, physical persecution. Uh, men and women being beaten up or worse, homes being destroyed, places of worship being uh, uh, demolished and, and, and smashed up. Happening today. Christians, brothers and sisters, in, in, in our world today, very, very conscious of the fact that there is a battle and it's, it's physical, it's present. It, it hurts. And I don't deny that at all. I simply say, and I don't know whether we're lucky or not, maybe we could do with a dose of waking up from time to time in our culture, but we as Christians don't tend to face that kind of physical abuse or confrontation in the world in which we live, 21st century London today. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a battle. And it doesn't mean that we're not engaged in it if we're soldiers for Christ. It means we need to wake up and be aware as to where and how the battle is raging. Let's just remind ourselves from what Paul says here about the nature of the battle. Verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You may have an issue with your boss at work. Or if you're a boss, maybe you've got some issues with your employees. But they are not the devil. <laughs> it's not primarily them even if it may feel like it from time to time. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil. The battle is powerful. There are authorities. There are principalities that are arranged and orchestrated against the life of Christ by his spirit in us. It isn't that the enemy hates you per se. He just hates the life of God in you. And because you are becoming, we are becoming more and more in the likeness of Jesus, it'll feel more and more like it's us. And we should expect that because Paul says the battle is against powers. Evil power. Power itself is, as I've said, is, is neutral. But evil powers will take power and contort it and twist it in order to subvert 
and reduce and destroy the life of God in us. And thirdly, it's powerful, it's evil. Thirdly, it's cunning. The power against us, the battle against us, the our enemy, the devil, he's cunning. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the words, the root word translated here, schemes, we get our word um, strategy from it. It's, it's about carefully thought out plans. It's not kind of just off the cuff, off the hoofs or firing from the hip. No, these powers, these evil powers organized in the realm that we can't fully appreciate are there thinking about how can I undermine the life at St. Dionys, corporately. You know, is there a reign corporately? A number of people, I think, who mentioned it, someone who was always at Cooley, again, in, in your prayers, thank you. It's just the, the welcome. We so often get the welcome. You know, such welcoming, so friendly, so welcome, so friendly. Oh, I wonder whether we can undermine that by just dividing off that little party and that little section and those people. Let's underneath the welcome... Let's tear them apart, subtly, so they don't even realize it. How can I get individuals? I wonder what their weak points are. How can I strategize and scheme? In this version here, it's, verse 12 is translated, for our struggle. And... Um, uh, this, this sense of sort of battle. Struggle carries it, I guess. In um, older versions... Uh, that, that verse was translated, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not. It, it's a graphic picture of what it is to engage with these evil powers and principalities as, as we, the children of Christ, sons and daughters of the living God, engage in the battle. It, it, it is, it's a kind of wrestle. You, you Picture a wrestling match. It, it's, not kind of, it's not kind of some you know, easy to discern, just immediately out there uh, combat with just one or two learned moves that are just robotically rehearsed. The combatants are, are kind of feeling for, you know, as they engage with their, with their opponent, they're feeling for where's the weak point? When can I catch them off guard? How can I bring them down? I'll bide my time. I'll just hold them, hold them, hold them, and then I'll go for my move when I sense I can do it. And that's how it is with the enemy. He's engaging and wrestling with us. Uh, those of us who've been around midweek in the, in the church, uh, so Will and Katie and Dee and myself who are around midweek, we've been freaking ourselves out <laughs> time and time again with this jolly mannequin. I don't know if you, um, just last week, and if you've been in the church uh, up until the, the, the raffle last week, uh, Mark Wallace, who'd very generously given us this prize of a suit, uh, gave us, lent us a suit for display, dressed on a mannequin, this little six-foot-tall mannequin, really lifelike mannequin, just sort of stood there. And uh, in fact, Will, I remember Will came in, he was telling a story last week, he came in to open up for the 8 o'clock service, and the church is all dark, a bit gloomy, and you, know, you, you normally anticipate coming and being the first in church. He opened the door, woo! <laughs> There's this man in church. There's someone in church. Oh, oh, it's the mannequin. You relax. And so what we did, we took it out of the church and had it in the vestry. Every time I came through from the vestry, <laughs> oh, it's only the mannequin. You know, Katie comes in for work, opens the door. Who's in here? Oh, it's, it's the mannequin. 
And maybe we think that the, the enemy is a bit like that. That uh, we, we, oh, 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 no, I, oh, I've worked out he's only, only, the, only the devil. And in one sense, actually, you know, he, he has been, his power has been significantly diminished. But it, it's not as if we momentarily shocked and then that's it, we just get on. As if he has no power at all, as if he's not alive and roaming and prowling around like a roaring lion. No, he's, he's engaged with the wrestle. He's looking for the weak spots. Are there times in the day or seasons in the year? Are there particular places, particular circumstances, particular routines where we know ourselves to be weak and susceptible? So does he. Be strong in the Lord, Paul says. Stand firm, he says. Because we wrestle. I don't think for us, the weak spots, both individually and corporately, it isn't with these churches and places in the Middle East where the fear is about even meeting together like this. We, we've, every single one of us, I imagine, completely taken for granted the fact that we've been able to gather here this morning, worship out loud freely, to have scriptures read publicly, to pray and intercede, for me to stand and speak. I'm not standing here now, if I'm honest, in fear of being broken into at any moment by some uh, band, uh, some opponents who may be armed, threatening me and us with our lives. I don't think that's where the enemy is seeking to wrestle with us. It's more subtle. I think he's seeking to wrestle with us over our time. Um, I was just researching uh, this talk and preparing for the talk, and I came across the minutes of a meeting that took place recently. Uh, and I've been able to download them, and I'm going to read them to you. It was a meeting that was called by Satan, and he called a convention of demons. And this is what he said in his opening address. We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and we can't keep them from knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from forming an intimate relationship with their Savior, Jesus Christ. Once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So here's the plan. Here's the strategy. Here's the scheme. Cunning. Let them go to church. But steal their time so that they don't have time to develop that relationship with Jesus. That's what I want you all to do, Satan said. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. Well, the demons all look back at him, sort of a little bit puzzled and perplexed. Great plan, but how do we do that? How? Keep them busy in the non-essentials, Satan said. The non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, spend, spend and to borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade their wives to go out to work for long hours and the husbands to work six or sometimes seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day so that they can afford their empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time investing in their children. And as their families fragment, 
Soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressure and the busyness of work. Create the barrenness of an empty life. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice. Entice them to play the radio or CD player whenever they drive. Keep the TV, the DVD, the CD player, and the PC going constantly in their home. And see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-biblical music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill the coffee tables with magazines and newspapers and supplements to the newspapers. Pound their minds with the news channel and entertainment from MTV 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail and mail order catalogs and every kind of newsletter and promotional offering, uh, sorry, promotional offering free products, services, and false hopes. Keep skinny, beautiful models on the magazines and TV so that their husbands will believe that outward beauty is what's important and they'll become dissatisfied with their wives. Keep the wives too tired to love their husbands at night. That'll fragment families quickly. Oh, and give them Santa Claus to distract them from teaching their children the real meaning of Christmas. Oh, and an Easter bunny at Easter so that we don't talk about his resurrection and power over sin and death. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from the gym exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect on God's creation. Send them to amusement parks and arcades and sporting events and plays and concerts and movies instead. Keep them busy, busy, busy. And when they meet for their spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave with slightly troubled consciences. Crowd their lives with so many good causes they have no time to seek power from Jesus. Soon they'll be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family for the good of the cause. It'll work, said the demons, it'll work. And off they went eagerly to their assignments, tempting Christians everywhere to get busier and more rushed, going here and there, having little time for their God or their families, having no time to tell others about the power of Jesus to transform lives. And Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, as it might be for us today, is back in, well, there's one in chapter three, but look at this one in chapter one. Just turn with me, chapter one and verse 18. Paul, as he prays for these Christians, knowing the battle that they face, knowing the schemes of the enemy out to destroy them, says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Our riches, our hope, and our power are sourced in him. That's why, just over to our passage today and these concluding commands, finally, from now on, resolve to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And being strong maybe starts by being still. 
amid the busyness, amid all that is going on. I, I, I know it. I've, I've got three children. I've, uh, I, I live in this world. <laughs> I, I know. I know it is frantically busy. There's so much to do. Being strong in the Lord for me, I wonder whether for you as well, simply means sometime every day in this Advent season to stop and to be still. And just as I wouldn't dream of going out of the house into any kind of public view without getting dressed, so in the same way, put on the armor. Here it is. The belt of truth. It's the first thing that went on for a Roman soldier. Because the belt actually was integral to every other aspect of the armor. It was a great big belt off which hung the kind of protection down here and you secured the breastplate to the belt so it didn't flap about. The belt of truth. The truth about who we are in Christ. The truth about what God thinks about you and how he thinks about you and what that makes you as an heir of Christ with power and authority over every other ruler an evil spirit and everything else that Paul outlines in chapter 1. That's who you are as we are seated with him, living in the power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the truth of who you are. We have the power and the ability to smash the schemes of the enemy as we stand in his power, girded with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. We, we tend to think, Think in our heads and feel in our hearts. Don't we, sort of Western 21st century. We think in our heads and feel in our hearts. But biblically, you thought in your heart and you felt in your gut. It, it just drops down a level. So heart and gut is where you thought and felt. I, Paul prayed that the eyes of your, not the eyes of your mind, the eyes of your heart. That's, that's where you kind of understood yourself, knew yourself. So heart and guts protected by the breastplate of righteousness. My understanding of who I am, covered by the act of God in Christ, who has redeemed me and brought me back, who is sanctifying me by his spirit. That's who I am now. That's who I'm playing for. That's the side I'm on. That's who I'm fighting for. Guard that with the breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith, which uh, these are fixed to me, but the shield I can move around. So as I'm responsive to where is the enemy, where are those darts coming from? Help me, brothers and sisters. Oh, who'd think of being a Christian on their own? No, I need my prayer partners. I need my house group. I need fellowship. Where are the darts coming? There they are. Get the shield there. Poof. They used to douse the outside of the shield in, in kind of water. So that uh, when the, the enemy, sometimes they would have these sort of tar darts with uh, dipped in tar and then flames to try and set the, you know, the enemy alight or, or whatever it was. And with a, with a shield that was doused in water, you could, you could extinguish the flames as you, as you move to respond to where the enemy is attacking. You see his strategy and you vanquish it with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Guys, pick up the weapon. Feed on it. Even if, it, if it's just a, a, just a psalm. A psalm, on average, takes about 45 seconds to read. Guys, if we're too busy to read 45 seconds worth of a portion of Scripture a day, we're too busy. Stop. <laughs> Still. 
pick up the sword, even if it's just a minute, feed on something. If you've got time to get some commentaries off the internet or the Bible study guides, talk to the, um, Alan is great at these kind of resources at the back. This is what he's pumping into the business. We've got to get, pick up the sword. How are we going to attack if we haven't got the armor of God and the helmet of salvation to know that we're under the umbrella covering of God so that I can walk into battle zones. I know the battle is raging, but I know I'm protected because the helmet of salvation which informs my, my knowledge tells me I'm a child of God. I'm in covenant with him. I'm protected. I'm victorious, ultimately. And shoes ready to spread the gospel. We have these amazing Christmas cards uh, with an invitation for people to come at Christmas. I, my impression is that um, people around here who will go to church at all nowadays will come at Christmas. Easter, they don't tend to come any other time of the year, not often. They'll come for a wedding or a funeral as a sort of one-off. But when they think, well, I'll, I'll come to church, it's Christmas time. Here's the opportunity just to take a card, invite a neighbor or a colleague or a friend. It's part of the armor, actually. It, it, it protects us. It, guard, it sort of equips us as we stand with the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Living on purpose for Jesus Christ in the 21st century. Let's stand together. Just conscious as uh, I'm going to perhaps hand over to Will in uh, a moment or two and invite the band back. Let's just take a moment or two to uh, stand still now. Various uh, images or, or, or metaphors just in the last few moments that the Lord may have taken just to speak to you. A sense maybe of, uh, of undress, as it were. Aware of the battle and yet not completely equipped, girded, armed. Perhaps mindful of ways in which the enemy has stolen from you in terms of time through busyness. Maybe for others of us, we've just forgotten our birthright as Christians. Everything that we are, everything that we have in Christ, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, all authority. Jesus said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. I looked up the word all, and it means all. Which means that for the enemy, there's nothing left. He has no authority because all authority has been given to us. We have that in Christ. Have we forgotten that? Just let that knowledge slip a moment in the quiet as we stand still to gird ourselves again with that truth, with God's armor, 
so that we can stand against the enemy's schemes. moment in the quiet it may be that you want to confess as the Lord by his spirit there may be particular things you'll, you'll know because it's quite acute be areas where you, Lord I'm sorry I've let my guard slip I've taken my eye off the realities I'm so sorry I recognize that please forgive me I, I receive your forgiveness in Christ time in the quiet just to put on the armor again Time in the quiet to receive from God affirmation of who we are in Christ. Time in the quiet, if you're not quite sure, perhaps you weren't aware of the battle, perhaps you're not aware of exactly where you are in relation to God. You're not sure if you call yourself a Christian. Now's the time. Now's the time. It's simply saying, I don't want to fight on my own. I don't want to fight for myself. I want to fight in your army, Lord. I want to sign up. I lay down my rights in order to pick up your extraordinary privileges and gifts. I lay down my life in order that I might live your life because of Jesus. I receive your spirit, your life-giving, anointing, equipping spirit. I choose to march in step with you and your army, not on my own. I choose to join myself with this army here on earth. I'm going to live for you. But maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that. That's the prayer to pray in the quiet now. So that you can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now come, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit. Soldiers here, men and women called to stand for you in their places of work. Men and women called to stand for you in their family homes, in their streets and communities. Men and women called to stand against the principalities and powers in the financial sector, and the health sector and the educative sector worlds of consulting and the arts and the media where the battles rage Father I pray you'd come by your spirit now and anoint afresh straighten up the armor strengthen it open the eyes of their heart that they'd see and enable them to stand firm Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, worship, and an opportunity, I think, just to express our delight in God the Father through Jesus Christ. As, as part of our uh, worship, we're going to take up an offering. If you're a visitor, please don't feel obliged to give. We've loved having you with us. But if you're a member, I hope as part of your worship, you'll do that. And we'll do that as we worship in song.
As we uh, come near to the end of our service now, let's just um, enjoy that, that um, sense of the Father's love once more. And um, as we were praying before the service, I just had that sense of God saying, in a battle, the banner is the, uh, the, the standard that you hold up. The banner is what you gather around in the battle. And as the words of the song say, God's banner over us is love. Our gathering point 
as a people in battle is the love of God for each one of us gathered here today. So as we close our service, we receive God's love and we stand in that love, ready for battle ready for anything that the enemy throws at us because God's love for us in Jesus is enough for us to stand.